Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast, the podcast where we encourage you to step outside, whether that's stepping outside and taking your two-year-old and your 10-week-old to look for elk and finding nothing but elk poop, (laughs) or figuratively stepping outside your comfort zone. Now, with today's episode, I kind of stepped outside my comfort zone a bit and reached out to someone I haven't actually talked to for three, probably three and a half years. And it's someone I've followed on social media. Um, We kind of messaged back and forth here and there, but it's someone I'm a huge fan of. His name is Ryan Esdor. He was a yoga instructor in Des Moines when I lived there and has since expanded his business into all things mobility, recovery, self-care for athletes, uh, and he calls it Superhuman Lab. And you can visit his website, www.mysuperhumanlab.com, and it's fascinating. I'm really interested in how athletes recover, especially as I approach the big 3-0 in my life, as I'm turning, (laughs) I'm going to be 30 eventually later this year and I don't want my body to slowly break down so you know in your 20s recovery doesn't seem nearly as important but as you get a little bit older you have to learn how to stay mobile and how to recover and so Ryan would be the perfect guy to talk to about that and if I'm being honest I've wanted to talk to him for a long long time now but I thought it would be weird to message him like hey man can I have your phone number So we can talk on the phone for an hour. So I never did. But (laughs) for whatever reason, it's not weird to be like, hey, man, I have a podcast. Can we talk for an hour? That's perfectly acceptable. So honestly, this is one of the main reasons I started a podcast, just as an excuse for me, um, a self-described introvert, to reach out and talk to some really cool people and have deeper conversations and I'm so thankful I did because I absolutely have been riding high on this conversation ever since I recorded it a couple days ago it was awesome I loved talking to Ryan so much and I think it really comes across as as we as we talk in this in fact I think we share a lot of similar philosophies on the ideas of hard work um how to survive crazy masochistic endurance events and really just how to live a good life and how to live up to your full potential plus you gotta tune in for the whole episode because at the end he talks about (laughs) a crazy endurance event called the go ruck hcl which is a multi-day just seems like complete hell where you put bricks in the back of a backpack and you get commanded to do a bunch of different things including multiple hours of bear crawls burpees team activities like carrying big uh uh what are those called electrical posts down the street and using his mindset ryan was able to survive that of course afterwards he spent a few days in the hospital (laughs) Uh, and you just have to tune in to hear why it's amazing. 
Um, so enough of me talking. This is a long episode as it is, but it's it's really one of my favorites. So tune in, listen in. I'm so happy to welcome Ryan Esdor to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. All right, let's get into it. So um, first of all, how can you make me a superhero? A superhero? I figured it'd just be a good a good question to start with. Uh, I think the first thing is one, train harder, and then two, if you hate it or don't like it, you should do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, give me an example when you've done Uh, that. Well, I think, well, sometimes I think that's, that's the separation between a good day and a bad day is if I do that, which I'm, which I'm most comfortable for. So sleep in a little bit later eat maybe a little junk here, breakfast, uh, just not, you know, just doing the, the, the easy path, easy path the hard road because you, you get to the end of it and you realize that your, your accomplishments have just been, you know, toast. They've just been plain. And so I force myself now because there's a difference between hard work and discipline. I can, so what I've done in the past, <clears throat> cause I love the extremes of life. I do. I love, I, it's there is no moderation with me. It's either extreme discipline or extreme debauchery. <laughs> you know, just just complete gluttony. And when I mean that I don't mean like I don't mean blowing hookers. I mean like like dad debauchery, like Doritos and beer and, and <laughs> like, binge you know, watching TV. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest with you, I don't want to fix it. Like I've read enough books about philosophy and meditation and Buddhism to realize. I don't, moderation sucks. I don't like it. So I don't want it. Like, I'm not interested. Like if you have to help an addict, the first thing you have to do is, you know, want the help. I don't want the help. <laughs> I don't, I don't want it to live a life of moderation. It doesn't interest me. But in the same token, I, the idea that I can just do whatever I want. I have this free will and it's great. You, yes, but free without, without discipline, it's, you just waste time. And it sucks when you realize Days turn into months, turn into years, and you don't get that back. So I forgot what the question was. <laughs> How do I turn into a superhero? <laughs> Superhuman? I think, yeah. So do the stuff you don't like to do. So like my measuring stick, cold showers, um, getting up earlier, mm-hmm. doing the workout. Like I always promise myself like before workout, you're like, you know what, Ryan, we're, we're going to take it easy today. We're going to train smart, okay? So we know what train smart means, right? Okay, yeah, we know. We're going to. We're going to just kind of, when we say it's 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And then that last minute, I always like have this like go time of like, I just do more, do more, do more, push, 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 push. Yeah. Um, because it's not comfortable for me because I don't want to do it. And so that to me is what separates my 2.0 version of me and then the the ordinary version. Because honestly, it, I don't think we become something new. You know, I don't think we, I don't know that I really personally have found that I've completely transformed my life in so many ways. There's just days where I, I, I make choices every day and it just depends which pile I'm stacking up more. Am I stacking up the 2.0 version or am I stacking up the, 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 the plain, the ordinary, the, the mediocre, the status quo. So that, that's kind of my thing is like, am I status quo or am I above? And that's why I try to use for my, my odometer. That's awesome, man. I love the idea of turning something uncomfortable to comfortable. 
because yeah. I just remember when I started running, it was the worst thing in the world. Like two miles mm-hmm. would suck and I would force myself through it with a lot of like, you know, uh, gangster rap music, just blasting as loud <laughs> as possible, you know? And uh, all of a sudden one day it just opened up and all of a sudden I'm going five miles and it's just a beautiful day and I'm, I can, I take the headphones out and I can just run with it. It was, it was really Mm -hmm. powerful and really kind of something that's changed my life. And, um, that can be applied to anything. I mean, yoga is the same way. I started doing yoga, um, probably two and a half years ago and I would do it every single day. And at first it was, was no fun. But you you know how it is. After a while, yeah. it became awesome, and then you like crave it. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the physical and the it's it's like running and yoga are, this, are very much the same because you feel slow, you feel like an amateur. You know, you just it's that that white belt feeling is tough as you get older. Or it can be. It doesn't have to be. But like, if you don't humble yourself and go, okay, there's people who are especially you know I'm 31. So if you see somebody 22 years old. Like I just started doing jujitsu again and you'll see somebody, there's many people who are younger than me or even way older who are going to just beat my ass and it's humbling, but it's good for my spirit to do those things because that's, that's the thing is you have to be willing to go back to the white belt and certain things, you know, running yoga, like will you humble yourself enough to even start? And that's where like the excuses just pile up and I, it's like, I used to entertain it with people like, no, I get it. Yeah. And I just, my back of my head, I go, I just kind of whatever. Now I just came and do it. Like if you give me an excuse, like, Hey, you should come to yoga. No, nah, no, nah, I'm too inflexible. I'm a, <laughs> then you're going to stay that way. You're stay inflexible until you change, you know? So yeah. Yeah. You don't hold up to a higher standard. That's right, man. Your body adapts to what you put it through essentially. I mean, we were just talking about our friend Calvin who just climbed a hundred mountains. I mean, his body completely changed i guarantee it in the 100 days so well i saw him at a wedding he looked like i mean like any of the baby fat and when i say baby fat when you're how old's calvin he's my age 29 all right so if you're 29 it's no more baby fat it's beer fat (laughs) (laughs) whatever softness whatever padding he had was just like carved away i saw him at a wedding i'm like man he looks he's he's fitted up yeah so is that part of Superhuman Lab? I mean, that's I, I guess I'll explain the intro, but Superhuman yeah. Lab is your company, and if you yep. want to explain a little bit more about it. Yeah, so Superhuman Lab is a company I started, and now I have a business partner, Matt. And the whole synopsis was, so my background, literally within the same week of each other, I went to school for sports massage, and I thought, First off, I didn't think I'd ever do it because I did not see myself being a dad, being 40, you know, 20, 40 seems old, <laughs> being, now I'm 10 years old, nine years away. <laughs> uh, I just couldn't see like that as a career. It seemed like a joke. And I met a guy who was working on all these athletes and, and I realized like I want to do work with my hands. You know, and if you went to the PT route, you can work with your hands, but you're also going to be dealing with a lot more training and training non-hand non-hands-on as well and I didn't want to do that so I did that in the same time I also started yoga almost the same week just out of personal interest and so those two things kind of grew together and moved down to Atlanta uh work for a great company uh Synergy Sports and had my mentorship and everything was good had a kid and life 
flipped up. And I was never going back to Iowa. That's where I'm from. <laughs> but then once you have kids, it just it, it you know how it is. I hear you, man. Dude, we were yeah. away from family for three years, and it was so hard. Yeah, and your your priority your priorities and needs do come second in ways. Definitely, you know. And sometimes they go come first because they come second. You know, sometimes I'll take a gig that I can travel a little bit, and I won't see, like right now. I, I won't see my kids when I come home, but that's okay because I like to do a hard day's work. Because as a dad and provider, if you don't feel like you're doing something to work hard, even if take this out. Here's my one. If I have one piece of advice, hate being advice, it'd be if you're doing something that's not making a lot of money. At least work hard because you can you can have some dignity and and you could feel proud and you could you're working towards something. At least work hard. Totally, <laughs> man. Because I you know I, I've been on those routes too, right? So I moved back to Iowa and I put the sports massage to rest for a minute because I had some concerns about my my hands. Uh, my my dad's we have a genetic uh, disease in my family called Dupinter syndrome. It cripples your hands. So I was really worried about that and that mixed with a lot of self-consciousness because I was working with all these great manual therapists and I was like, who, who am I to do this? Yeah. Another story, another day probably, but. No, man, that's <laughs> in anything is the, who am I? Like, what right yeah. do I have to do this? But yeah. I guarantee you anybody thinks that even, yeah. you know, even the heads of the companies are like pro football players. I guarantee you they have those thoughts. So. Well, you know what's hard about that is, you know, I was down in Atlanta I was, and I was working on, you know, I've worked on probably over 100 professional athletes and that's what I wanted to do. So I was doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then, but even then there's feats of like, not phoniness, but just like insecurity because these guys are, I'm around are like 50, 60. Now and that, that gives you, you know, 30 years experience. They're super smart. They're brilliant guys. They're saying stuff. That I can't even really follow, and it really kind of—I just almost partially use probably the hands as really an excuse to get out and oh, to yeah. hide. I'll just do yoga, <laughs> and so I just did yoga, and something was amiss. And not only I could tell it was missing because it was going well in ways, but it wasn't like it wasn't going to be successful in the way that it needed to be. I could see the challenges I was having and the things I needed to do to fix it. And I just, it was a fight. I didn't want to fight with it. You know, I wanted, and it wasn't why, you know, I, I love, I love the passion of movement, but there was a bigger dragon to slay. So I decided to shift vision to superhuman lab. The idea of superhuman, uh, you know, being that, that version of yourself that not, that you really, t that you dream to be. And put the superhuman lab in there, lab to always remind yourself to be an, to be an experiment, you know, an experimentation. You know, you can take as much advice and read as many theses as you want to, but I'm telling you, I could take two different points of view, find two different scientists, two different respected people in the field. So then, what do you do? Experiment on yourself. Yeah. So. It's so confusing if you look online and it's like, how do I get healthy? Oh, you eat nothing but fats. Oh, you don't eat any fats, or you know, or eat, you eat pro eat paleo. Yeah, eat paleo. Oh, you eat vegan, or do you do CrossFit? CrossFit's bad. Like, it's so confusing. Yeah, but you're right. If you experiment on yourself, you figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And you know, it's funny. You know, you know, Chris, where I'm the most happiest. What I realized recently. Is when I'm just living my own life with 
not giving really a shit about anybody else's expectations. Yeah. Right. Because anytime when I was bumming out, I was it was completely off of like, what will people think if, <laughs> if it's, what will people think if this fails? You know, what will people think if it doesn't go as planned? And when I go, I'm doing this only just for the pure fact that I just enjoy it. So now, I really have curated my life to just doing that which I enjoy. You know, I don't care if people think I'm tough, not tough. If I, they think I'm good, bad, I don't really give a shit. It, 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 to an extent, I just I'm just enjoying myself much more right now than I have in the past. Yeah, man, and I think that's I think that's showing because every time I see any of the videos you're putting out, or I look on your website, or any of the information you're putting out there, it's all high quality. And I mean, you can only get high quality if you're a complete geek about what you're working on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, that's awesome. man. it's that idea of fear. I mean, f- fear can stop us from so many different interactions, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, are you going to, are you going to get killed because people don't like what you're doing? It's yeah. not like when you, when you're in bear country and it's like, real fear if you see a grizzly coming up you know what i mean there's there's this difference between that and people might not necessarily see the connection there yeah um i kind of learned that hiking with calvin honestly um when i had to face my fear of heights and i realized whoa man this is a real fear and all that other stuff like dude the first time i tried to do a podcast here my heart's like going crazy Mm -hmm. but i'm like what what's wrong with me? There's nothing. My life isn't in danger right now. (laughs) I'm like, I guess I'm just, I, there's a difference between nervous and fear, I guess. Um, so yeah, man, that's awesome. So what, what exactly do you guys do at, at your, uh, superhuman lab? Uh, you know, right now, again, like everything's built off what I'm experimenting with, what I'm playing with. So for me, manual therapy like put my hands on people i I just love i love working with my hands you know if i wasn't doing this it would be people you know it just so happens i tried motorcycles i tried woodworking i just was i just i kind of sucked at them yeah and when it came to people that was just my my niche i just it was a can the perfect canvas for me so working on people and then again another thing i'm really into is just evolving my movement practice that's that kind of was nurtured in my early 20s from yoga and then has expanded out to to getting it off the mat you know getting outside a little bit more so what um, what caused that, that expansion what inspired you to expand it in that way honestly i was i was sick of yoga in the in the, in the sense here not here's why because yoga when it came to in my life i was 20 and i just needed something right there it's kind of that 20 year old searching self which i think I don't, I, I, probably a lot of people that I speak to guys just because I'm a guy can relate. At least for guys, it's a really pinnacle point, right? You haven't really asserted yourself in anything yet. You ha- feel like you haven't really accomplished anything as an adult, and you just get kind of hung up. So yoga was really, and also just like the underlying anxieties of life. And, and it just, I just went to yoga and felt this moments of like what I would assume people would feel like if they left church feeling just, clear yeah you know that was a feeling i got and i just got addicted to it so i started then i started doing yoga like four or five days a week <laughs> and i was nuts about it because i just i love the way it made me feel 
So part of me gets a little protective about that, right? Like anything, it got a little romantic about it. So when I see the climate changing in the yoga community of what was being valued, which by the way, it's like, I don't really care like what people go to yoga for. I don't really don't. And people are like, I don't care what people do as long as they do yoga. I don't even care if you do yoga. <laughs> I don't, it, just, it doesn't affect me in my life. You know, yeah. um, I want you to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care if you do yoga or don't do yoga, but the climate of yoga just wasn't, for whatever reason, I just wasn't into you. Know, it became like either like, like certain elitist thing of like, let's show how philosophical we are. Okay. And, East, and, and let's prove how Eastern we are. And I want to be like, shush. You live in Iowa, sir. <laughs> Settle down. Can we stop talking Sanskrit and get to the beef of what we're talking about here? And beef. I don't know why it made me Iowa. so. <laughs> I don't know why it made me so jaded at the time, but I just was like. It just turned me off. Well, you know? and it takes you out of it almost, at least for me. I mean, if it gets too much into that kind of idea, like if that that's for some people and that's awesome. But for me, it, it always took me out of it because there'd yeah. always be the little voice in the back of my head, which I know I should try to silence. That would be like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, as I'm practicing non-judgment, I'm totally having a problem judging it. Right? I know. <laughs> no, but you know, you know what it was is, is – and, and probably, it probably, and I was part of this issue too. Like, I'm not singling out that I, that I wasn't participating in this, but I realized when I first started, it was really about, you know, at least from a teaching perspective, you know, you 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 learn first, you you become a student, yeah, then maybe you teach, and then as a teacher, you're in service. So, like for me, I I, I practiced for five years. I decided to start teaching because I saw athletes were having some real issues. Like I'd work on them, move around, hamstring feels better. But then I said, okay, now move. And there just certain small requests and movement they couldn't execute. And these are athletes that are way better physically than I am. But these small motor controlled things they were struggling with. So then I said, okay, we're going to do yoga for that reason. And so that's how we got into, into the aspects of yoga. And then you know, so I'm teaching and then it becomes in service. You know, you, you, as a room, you, you just, you watch, you see how you can help people, what you, you speak to what you see. And then it became this like weird realm of like performance art. I felt like, 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 let me show you who I am, you yeah. know? And I just like, and I probably felt it in myself too. As I say this, and I was just like, I just went Ugh, for a second. And then also in the movement practice itself, I thought, there was much more I was not exploring. So as I'm aging, I'm like, there's something I'm not exploring in, in physicality that I need to. You know, as yeah. appreciative as I was her yoga. So then I just slowly got into more dynamic stuff. You know, so then, you know, come along CrossFit, come along jujitsu, come along, you know, a lot of Edo Portal stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, I get made fun of amongst a couple of like my close friends for that one, but man, you I don't mean, have a man bun though, so you're you're not full Edo. <laughs> I'm not full. I went to his uh, I went to his workshop, and man, man buns were strong, <laughs> strong man buns. I mean, like I turned. I mean, a lot, but you know. <laughs> um, can I say this though? Like, as someone yeah. who participated in your classes, I yeah. enjoyed the fact that you kind of let people see who you were while you were teaching. I think mm -hmm. that made like a really good connection with the students. And I remember, you know, my wife went to your classes for like a month straight and she's like, you got to go to Ryan's yoga class. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. And so I went and in the first yoga class, I'm pretty sure you quoted Joe Rogan. 
possibly. I'm and huge... dude, me too. And so I was like, <laughs> all right, Lindsay, you're in good hands here. So yeah, <laughs> but I enjoyed that aspect, man. And, and I guess what kind of style was your yoga? Because I really enjoy, it was flowing pretty much continuously, which I always have enjoyed rather than like the holding poses and being stagnant. Yep. So the style that I kind of came up in, well, actually the style I originally came up with was called Anusara, but actually it was, it was very anatomical and got dismantled because of some scandals within it. Um, but what really got me into yoga as a guy was uh, Baron Baptiste. Okay. I was at Barnes Noble, saw his book. I actually have his book here at the studio. Uh, so power, power, power yoga, vinyasa yoga. A lot of it comes from, uh, you know, there's different sectors. You have Brian Kess out there doing great work. But Baron Baptiste is one of them. So I went and took my training. For, I sought out a place in Jacksonville, Florida called Embody Yoga because they were affiliated with Baron. And then I went and took some training with Baron. Uh, I, just, I just love, love their stuff a lot. I think they focus on watching the room. Uh, definitely made me a better public speaker, but really to, again, pounding in the being of service, you know, adding value to people's lives, knowing that it's not always about you. Those values I need constant reminding of. So, yeah. so yeah. that, that's, that's what I got into. Okay. Have you always been the type of person that seeks out mentors? Because it sounds like, I mean, you said you went to Ido Portals and you went to uh-huh. Baptiste Yoga. So have you always been that way or is that something you consciously work on? No, I definitely, I mean, I didn't even realize I was doing that until you said it. Like I just, <laughs> I would say no, but if I had to think about it, like, you know, I, I had such a great mentorship when I moved to Atlanta. I've had, honestly, to be honest, if I had the best thing happening in my life, I just had people be really gracious and kind to me. Like just, that's, that would be, that would sum up my life. People have just been really cool and nice to me much more than like, I feel like almost non-deserving of it. Like they're so cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Calvin and all those guys at that house. Are, I mean, they're like, Oh yeah. I definitely don't fit in there sometimes. I definitely <laughs> feel black sheep, but they're just cool, kind people who just want to, you know, um, I would say I don't see, I haven't sought them out, but if somebody's doing something cool, I want to learn it. I at least know about myself that I can't do it alone. I can't figure it out. And it's, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, Probably, probably happened after 20, 20 years old. Up until then, I was so lost in life. Yeah. Up until twenty, I was just trying to survive. <laughs> I was yeah. just trying to, to not 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 fail and drop out of high school. Uh, luckily, I got a girlfriend who was smarter than me, and, and like I literally went. Here's the crazy thing. Here's how powerful women are. I, I went from a pretty bad student, like it wasn't like it, like definitely getting absent and having challenges, and then I started dating this girl. And she was really smart. And so I would like have to go to her house, but she'd be like, I'm studying, but I want to hang out there. So I would start to slowly do, and she was a really like goody, goody two-choo. Here's, here's how goody two-choo she was. She had a crush on me. <clears throat> so I made this mistake when I was in 10th grade. You know, you have like the senior, the pictures of like, of like team wrestling. Yeah. In the yearbook. So you have team wrestling and then you have letter winners. So I was coming. I was my sophomore, so I was in the team wrestling, and then the letter winner from the previous year. I don't know why, but me and my me and my buddy flipped off the camera like in a very subtle way. <laughs> yeah, like real subtle. So she's like the goody two shoes. So they bring her in and they're like, "Hey, 
can you take a look at this and tell me what you think? Mind you, she has a crush on me. <laughs> so the golden moves to say, no, it doesn't look like that. He was that. itching his arm. Yes. That's the, that's the move you make. She did not make that move. She's too she good rat- like, No, it does look like he's flipping him off. I was like, damn. So when she told me that, luckily she was hot enough. I'm, I'm saying she's hot because obviously I married her. She's my wife. <laughs> I wouldn't just talk about anybody like that. But no, she was really good at school and uh, really made me step up my – upgraded my game. You know, So then I became a little bit more serious about school. You know, you date that that's the big thing is you know, hanging around people that I've slowly like I've upgraded little aspects of my life. Oh, yeah. I would say I definitely look for that, I bet, now yeah, that I think man. about it. Speaking of goody two shoes wives, my wife is exactly the same way. Really? Like, dude, she has a moral compass that at times just drives me insane. We were <laughs> camping we were camping once and we brought our hammock and there was one tree in our campsite, but mm-hmm. there was another tree literally two feet into the other campsite and yeah. we put it up and the whole entire day she's like i don't know maybe we should take that thing down we're gonna get and no one's at that campsite either by the way right and the whole time i'm like dude be a rebel a little bit just a tiny bit yeah. <laughs> i'll get you in trouble man i dude i guess but that's awesome man so um so mobility comes along and uh yep and i guess I kind of want to go full nerd here for a second. Mm-hmm. Sure. What, what would you suggest be some movements people make every single day or, you know, quite often? Uh, is there anything you know, specific or is it just like yeah, flat out moving your body? Or? Yeah. I would say in the specifics of things, it's move the joint. I mean, the easy, the here's okay. The, the 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 complicated and the easy answer. The complicated and easy answer is, if a joint bends all the way, bend it till it can't bend anymore. Straighten it till it, till it can't straighten out anymore, right? But then once you have, you have a regimented practice that the the biggest thing we have to get people to do. The biggest task that I have is not get people to move more. Inspiring, it's adherence. What can I do? Like that's why right now I teach stuff that's fun based to start off. Because I need you to adhere to it. Because if you don't adhere to it, then it, it doesn't matter. Um, again, to back, piggyback off a lot of Edo stuff that I that I absolutely love to simplify it. Hang every day, touch the ground every day, okay. squat every day. You're going to be pretty damn good if you do those things. Um, those would be pretty key. Because I know a lot of people I see shoulder mobility stuff completely has to do. They, they lack the shoulder flexion, right? There's some rotational issues. Hanging, okay, cool squatting, breaking into the knee, the ankle, and the hip joint, and then uh, getting your hands on the floor. That, that's my favorite one because if you constantly challenge yourself to get loads to get your hands on the floor, you adaptively start to use your shoulders, your hips. Um, I love doing sort of rolling and crawling style stuff because it's going it, to unintentionally incorporate your shoulders, your hips, your ankles. It's, it's a good bang for your buck. Okay. Awesome, man. Um how how much would you suggest you hang if you're starting with that one? Because my shoulders are my shoulders are definitely that way. They're not super. They're pretty tight. They're not very mobile. Yeah. Well, and to get into the shoulder, we have to realize there's a lot of variabilities in shoulder. So your eight your acromion, the 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 bone that comes off your shoulder. So imagine it being some some people's are flat. Like let's say, uh, 
kind of concave like a spoon, nice and smooth, not much bend. Then somebody else's hooks in a little bit more. Then another person's is like really hooked in like a fish hook. So there are going to be some variabilities, right? So we have to take that into account and understanding. But for the most part, to just get your arms up and hang, I I tell people just for at least grip strength and durability of your biceps and forearms, don't feel like you have to go completely in full suspension. Even just start dropping your body weight into it, especially if you're coming off a shoulder injury, maybe a, a surgery, just slowly add load into it. And then if you can take full load, then take full load. Um, I'm not super married to the hanging concept, but definitely I think it's good to load those tissues up and hanging is the best way. Otherwise, you're just doing compressive force like you would if you were holding something over your head. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and and for me, I don't know why, but well, I was telling you a little bit before the podcast, but uh, recently I've, I've moved, so I drove for 24 hours. Yep. Um, we had to go back to Iowa for a funeral, so we went 12 hours both ways on the train. And I just feel like I've lost a bunch of mobility lately. And I was saying my, my workouts generally have to be before my wife goes to work and before the kids wake up. So I'm waking up at 4.30, um, sometimes a little bit earlier, and I'm going to the gym. I'm going for a run. Um, and I just I feel so tight in the morning, and I feel so dehydrated. So I guess yeah. – do you, do you have any suggestions for a morning routine um, yeah. to get warmed up as fast as possible? Yep. Well, so it's funny. Even the other day, I tested this theory out just this week. So I started doing sun salutations, yoga, right when I woke up. So 4.30 in the morning, five sun salutations. It, and again, as it has in the past, it did not feel good. <laughs> just, I was just thinking that. <laughs> well, the reason is because your body, your body hasn't moved. So your, your brain has a hard time – it has a hard time multitasking pain and movement at the same time. So sometimes when people wake up, they're like, oh, I'm in so much, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel creaky and pain. Well, it's because you haven't been moving. Once you start moving, receptors start to kick in and movement overtakes the pain. Yeah. So that's, that's, that, you know, that's one of the reasons why. So what I like to do is, is get some drive into those muscles. So what I do in my routine is I'll start from the ankles and I just very slow – controlled articulations just to just to open up the range do it through the knees hips do a little shoulder neck done takes about 10 minutes okay then i start loading in isometrics so what i'll do is like kind of if you imagine like a wall sit um if you imagine trying to break a stick but the stick's not breaking uh things like that so i did the isometrics those isometrics and literally Oh, and I picked, uh, I picked uh, just to give you a, a, a regimen, I did it in. I did 15 seconds of isometrics, 15 seconds of rest. I picked seven different exercises, and I did four rounds of each. So four rounds of an exercise, like let's say a wall sit, four times, 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off, four reps, four different movements. And then I did a sun citation, and I can't tell you 100 times better. Okay. So if I, if I give people more routine – Go through a slow, controlled joint articulation, joint movement, and then some some sort of uh, isometric or, or loading into your tissues. Okay, awesome. That's that's so much better than me. Wake up, roll out, go to the gym, and try to do clean and jerks. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, and you know, I, I don't, I, 
that's that's why I like to do it because if I just go right into a workout, something suffers. Now, what doesn't suffer is my mental. Like it's a great mental tool to to go when you're the most unprepared. I think it's super good for the human spirit to do the super unprepared. But then again, if you're in a training regimen, now it's time to 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 start to you know program if we're programming. Yeah, for sure. Joint articulation, isometrics. Plus, isometrics are so are going to be your safest bet because since you're not really changing the angle of a joint, right? You're not moving it. You got a bit of a safety there. Yeah. You know. So it's great. Love them. Love them. Love them. This is a really dumb question, but I have mm-hmm. to ask it. When I wake up and it sounds like I'm messing with a sun-kissed bag when I move, you know, like it's just snap, crackling, and popping all over the place. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> You know, is it bad? There, is, or, no. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's no there's no one definition for sounds of the body. Okay. Like you could get like the 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 champagne effect that nitrogen released through the body. I believe it's nitrogen. Hey, somebody Google that. Double check. Pretty sure, but <laughs> just just since this is recorded, uh, basically a, a gas release, which is like when you pop your knuckles. Yeah. I don't think there's harm there. Um, sometimes you could get between the tendons and the sheath some rubbing in there. And so that's one thing we go through when you get through like orthopedic assessment is when you hear sounds and you kind of can put your hand over it and feel it assessing what is that sound. And there's more than, I mean, is it frictioning and rubbing? Is it, you know, releasing a gas? It's, it's really specific to what, what the sound is. Okay. <laughs> and, if it, and if it continues and if it's constantly recreated, if it's something that's constantly recreated and doesn't like, pop go away and you can keep going in, and then comes back a little later then i start to investigate deeper into those okay so you mean like if you're hearing it maybe two hours later after you're already warmed up then you should possibly look more into that or yeah. if i say like pick any you know said range every time i do this i hear a clunk every time i do this i hear a clunk and you can constantly recreate it that's stuff you want to pay attention to okay Awesome, you know, if I just kind of move my ankles in the morning, get a little crackly, popply, and it improves within a five ten, you know, improves yeah. pretty fastly. I don't stress that as much. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, I love on your guys' website you talk about the idea of self care, like right on the front homepage. Um, because Matt, uh, that's it, that's his baby. Oh, that is okay. <laughs> that page. As an athlete, man, that's the one thing you yeah. forget about. You're like, okay, I need strength. I need endurance. I need flexibility. But you forget about self-care and recovery. So um, what sort of advice would you have for that? I mean, I know it's really training specific. So I guess for me personally, like I guess if we focus maybe on running, like what sure. recovery advice would you have for runners? You know, well – I think we have to revisit what an off day means, because if an off day means that you get that you're taking in beer, shitty food, <laughs> sugar, yeah. and you're staying up later and lack of sleep, so that's not a good recovery day. Recovery day is including movement because you want to stimulate the lymphatic system. Um, you want to pump your body with hydration as you do it every day. You want to specialize that at night if, if there was any day to get disciplined with your sleep meaning get longer sleep not just getting up early but getting that duration of good sleep yeah it's on your off day you know and i say this because i've made the same mistake taking my off day picking on a sunday yeah and then my monday suffers because i ate that's when i used my ate my cheat meals 
That's, you know, the cheat meals, the best time to eat a cheat meal, in my opinion, is after a nice hard-ass workout. That's when you eat a cheat meal, not on an off day when you're when you're doing the least amount of effort work. Yeah. You know, how, how are you going to metabolize that? Plus, it's so much it's so much easier to do those really hard workouts when you have a pizza waiting for you and you're like, I'm earning that pizza today. Oh, God. <laughs> how much better does it taste when you earn it like that? Dude, this is why I keep signing up for ultra marathons. I'm not even <laughs> lying. It's for the pizza and beer afterwards. We did a uh adventure race in boone iowa um yeah and it was probably like 12 hours long we were exhausted by the end we didn't bring enough food because we had no idea what we were doing and they gave us a jack's pizza like the frozen jack's pizza Love jack's. and a shift uh ipa oh. or whatever pale ale from new belgium best pizza and beer i've ever had in my life and i Please don't remember me. eating them <laughs> Did you just take that pizza and taco that thing on up and just Dude, it was gone in like thirty seconds. I'm not even joking. <laughs> you know what's funny? That's so true. Like if you want the best tasting beer and pizza, go work hard and then take a bite. And it's it'll be the it doesn't even matter that how the, the, the quality. It's so good. <laughs> it's so much better. I just told Lindsay there's some yoga thing down the street and I'm like, All right, if you go to that yoga thing and I do a hard workout tomorrow morning, we're totally ordering like the biggest pizza of all time. So yeah, 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 man. Um, dude, I know I kind of struggle with the opposite of that whole idea of recovery days though. Um, so for me, I'm like, okay, today I just did 30 minutes of yoga and I just did, you know, um, light lifting and Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is my off day. But, uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> I, I don't mind that. I mean, <clears throat> I think I think the again the measuring stick is how you feel. You know, if if you're constantly getting drained and in, in through your workouts, then you got to – I don't I don't mind you switching up like that. Like I think yoga is a great recovery tool. Like so, I'm kind of doing some uh, Saturday. I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna go jump into a hot yoga class just so I can kind of get into my joints a little differently. But I think it's great. I think I think complete rest is should be much rarer than it is okay. because again, we want you to, if you want to, I mean, your lymphatic system is very important and it's stimulated through movement. So if you're not moving, how stimulated is it getting? Right. So I don't mind some 30 minutes light stuff. I think that's great. But I think the biggest thing should be, how does your energy levels feel? Well, actually just, I'm just curious now, how do your energy levels feel after you do something like those? Are they, are you drained and fatigued or you feel enthused and energized? I, more enthused and energized. I say keep doing it then. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sweet. <laughs> that, that, that research that you do of like, how do I feel afterwards? How's yeah. my mood? How's my body feel? How do I perform? That tells me much more than like some VO2 max blood test or even just some, some theory that somebody has on the internet because it's not, as, you know, I want to get specific to you. Now, I mean, VO2 and blood tests are important, especially blood tests, super important. They <laughs> kind of went off track there, but you know what I mean, though? Like, I want to know those things. How yeah. do you feel? You know, so. Yeah. yeah. The other things think, are kind of secondary, secondarily important, if that's a yeah. word. I don't know if secondarily is a word, but I just made it up, so. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's here to, to, to yell at the screen. Hey, man, I'm a science teacher. I'm not an English teacher. I don't understand that speaking stuff so um okay so i did i i'm so curious to hear about this because i am just complete i'm completely fascinated by what you keep mentioning endurance or endure being able to endure something is just 
incredibly fascinating to me. So I want to hear about the GORUCK. Uh, is it HCL? Is that what it's called? HCL. Yeah, yeah. the heavy charge light. I did that. Okay. Yep. Can you explain a little bit? Because all I know is I saw a picture on Facebook afterwards, and you're in the hospital giving a thumbs up or something. Yep. That sucked. <laughs> uh, well, for it, you know, it started was – so, again, like I, I like the – I like the extremes of life. So what, what actually happened before that is I did another one that I failed called GORUCK Selection. It was okay. super, it was super humbling. So the, the idea is you're, it's, it's individualized, right? And it was cool because I failed, but I allowed myself for a number of days, if not a few years to, to make that okay. <laughs> so I and what I mean by that was like I failed but I had these like built in like caveats like I failed but I was the last one lasting so I was the last failure yeah you, you know what I mean like 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 nobody you know my thing is you can't out suffer me and I was the last one so it doesn't matter you know those things don't matter because what matters is like when you fail is like did you become a better person and what happens was I didn't become a better person like before it I I didn't drink. I didn't. And by the way, this is another thing that like, and here's another thing. The reason why I also think transparency is important. If you're not transparent, tell my wife this about something unrelated. If you're going to be found out, it's going to be, it doesn't matter. You're going to be found out. Like there's people who have different thoughts and opinions of me or because of the knowledge they have of me. I have to marry those two concepts. Yeah. So that's why it goes in the story. So I didn't drink. I, I love Copenhagen. I didn't chew. <laughs> I was. I'm, I'm from Iowa. What do you expect? I do yoga. I chew Copenhagen. I didn't. Do, I didn't do. I didn't. That do should be a T-shirt. <laughs> I was training hard, and then when I failed, what, what, what my odometer was, the first thing I did, I went to come and go. I got a thing of Copenhagen long cut and a six pack of beer, <laughs> which tell it, which was interesting because you know what that really said about me? I didn't change at all, and I didn't. I wasn't deserving of that. That's why I failed. And it took me a while to, to look back and realize that and to realize that I didn't change and that it wasn't impressive and that I was in no better spot, that it was a waste of – it was, you know, in ways I wasted days up until then. So then the HCL to me was the next thing to like a new challenge for me to go, okay, I had those realizations going, you know, it's time to, to, to put that in the past a little bit because I really beat myself up over it. I, re- I mean, I really felt like a humiliation. I mean, my ego, which was just my ego getting bruised up really bad, you know. I really thought I was going to pass this thing, and I didn't, and it, it was crushing. So then the HCL, was it's a 24-hour one, and then it, you do – it's a team event one, so it's different. Just FYI, it is a difference. Okay. 24-hour you- one. I mean, you put a backpack on and you fill it with bricks yeah. and you do a bunch of hard stuff, right? That kind of sums it up a little bit. Yep. So, so rucking is just <clears throat> heavy things in a backpack. And I think the weight was over 45, 55 pounds, somewhere around there. And so you have a 24 hour, you get a little, I think you get like a three hour break to just at the most to just change out your gear and get going again. Yeah. And then you get a 12 hour. And then you get another three-hour break, change out your division. And this, you never got three hours, really, because by the time you get to where you need to be and stuff and timing and stuff runs late. And and then so you have 24-hour rest, 12-hour rest, six-hour done. So we're in the 24-hour one, and you have these infractions as a team. They build up. And the thing is, like, for me, I was doing okay physically. I was doing pretty well. 
but I had a really good buddy who has like he he had a heat condition, so he was struggling, and some other people were struggling a little bit. So I thought he's like, all right, somebody goes and catches this goose in the lake. I'm gonna take away like like an insane number of infractions, like 18. So I was like, fuck it. So I threw my backpack off and I went <laughs> right into this lake, full sprint, and just felt the sharpest pain I ever had in my leg. No <laughs> and way. I looked, I pulled up. And it's just like glug, 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 blood. So I puncture, it's a puncture wound. So if you're an animal rights activist and you think I got my karma, you're right. Because I was going to catch this thing. I mean, you said I would have on? a rock underneath the water. Oh, it's, man. It's Des Moines water. We don't live in near any oceans. This is some mucky water. Yeah. And my leg's going above and below water with this wound. And so one of the dudes on the team had a, this thing, I, I, underprepared, I didn't bring a med kit, my fault. This guy luckily was nice enough, patched me up. He was, a, I think he was a paramedic too. So he patched me up and we kept going. So this is like within 12 hours of a 48 hour deal. <laughs> and then, and then, so over these next few days, I'm going in and out of water. There was one time we were in water. It was a puddle next to like, it was like on the South side. So there's like trains and stuff. In this puddle, we had to come in and out. And I'm looking at my wound in this puddle, and there's a cigarette butt in the puddle. So this is – I'm just – it's nasty. So we get to where we're finished, and my feet were like – for some reason, I don't know why, my feet got chewed up. Did you ever see that picture? No, man. Of, uh, I'll send it to you because it's gnarly. Like my feet were like – it was like if you put a bag of skin over your feet because the skin just got loose. And just got filled, and not only loose, it got filled with water. Oh, so man. like this saggy, weird feet. But then this, so then we go home. And I'm like, man, my legs really bothering me. But you know, it got punctured, and then I started getting like the chills and like sick. And I'm like, oh, I think I got a head colder. This really exhausted me. My wife's like, I know, I don't know, Ryan. That leg's looking pretty red over there. <laughs> so I said, okay. So she's like, and then I couldn't even stand up without it just like throbbing and pain. She's like, let's go to the doctor. So I go to the, the ER. And it's puffed up. And then they go, uh, I was like, you know, they, you, you have to take antibiotics. And I said, How, well, I don't really want to take antibiotics, you know. You know antibiotics destroy your system. Right. And she's like, okay, if you want to keep your leg, you're going to take these antibiotics. So I take them, and then, they, and then they call me like two days later, and they're like, oh, you know how we thought you had cellulitis? And I was like, yes. She's like, stop taking the medication. You have MRSA. <laughs> so and that took me out of commission for a while because you know with being a you know i wrestled growing up and also being with what i work with people like the what would be an equivalent to a bad like a one-star food review would be giving somebody MRSA when you work on them so yeah. i didn't even i didn't even go to work so i didn't even step i didn't step foot in the studio from the day of the event i didn't step foot in the studio for like a week and a half just because like i didn't want to i want to make sure it's completely you know, couldn't contaminate. So that was that. Well, man. So I totally just thought you had like rhabdo, uh, Oh no. With the kidney, the kidney deal that people get when they do these ultra crazy events. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It's some nasty MRSA. And I had put swabs of this stuff of this goop. I can't remember what medicine it was. I put it in my nostrils for some reason. (laughs) They just did that as a joke. You know they did. They're like, look at this guy. <laughs> what was yeah. the, what besides the whole getting MRSA thing? 
obviously, mm-hmm. which, you, you know, you, I guess you could have probably thought of once you put your foot in the cigarette water. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what what parts of the event were, you know, I'm, I know the whole event's difficult, but what did any specific parts stand out in your mind? Heavy loads for long. I mean, for, for me personally, what I, I showed this just heavy and long. So you have a backpack and now maybe put a log on it. Maybe put like a 80 pound sandbag on it and you're just walking. So like for two minutes, that's not hard, but then you, two hours, you get pretty sick of it. Yeah. So the, the heavy loads where it just beats your body down, but you're able that's, and that's actually one thing I'm training for right now, just cause I know it's a weakness in me is heavy loads for long duration. So that's something I'm trying to, I'm working on right now because it just beats you down like slow and brutally. Yeah. What, what, uh, what was the morale like, um, between, cause you're basically, you said you're on a team. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what, strate- what strategies did people use to keep the morale up? Uh, well, the community has a pretty raunchy sense of humor. So like the community is like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like dirty jokes, <laughs> beer and party atmosphere. Like it's that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Like you can't be sensitive and be like it's just kind of that environment, you know what I mean? Like it's not pretty easily offended. So probably like humorous, dirty, like lots of profanity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not really like yeah, kind of like old humor jokes, things like that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I was in rugby, so I totally understand that stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that camaraderie of just like you know suffering. Yeah. You know, do you still do rugby? Uh, you know, I I would love to. It's just in Danville, where we lived in Virginia, they had four rugby fields and zero rugby teams. So, uh, made no I sense. I want to do it, but I can't tell if it's just going to beat me up. It does. Oh, for sure, man. Like the thing I noticed though, like because I played football too, is football mm-hmm. you're getting hit by helmets, you're getting hit by pads, you know, like hard objects. Yeah. And that's very painful. But in rugby, you're getting hit with bodies. And it's, for whatever reason, it's not, it didn't seem as painful to me. But the main difference is your face can get hit. So there were moments where I was kicked in the face a few times, you know, and and all that fun stuff. So it's a great sport, though. I mean, it's so much fun. I miss it every single day. Um, really? Yeah. And, you know, you get that com- camaraderie. And, you know, recently I've just been doing kind of individual sports and you don't you don't get that as as easily i mean during an ultra run or an endurance race you can find cool people and you run with them for a while and you do get a little bit of camaraderie but there's something different um in rugby like going to war with another team you know and you have your your guys next to you and you're slamming into them so do you know it's a great book i just read about rugby I uh, legacy. Yes, I was looking for that at our library and I couldn't find so, it. Yeah, love it. That's like beyond rugby because that's the All Blacks, isn't it? The New yeah. Zealand team. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, called Legacy about the All Blacks and just their culture as a as a rugby club. It's just really it's it's it, I love seeing like if I had one thing to aspire to like like man crush over <laughs> it would it would just be you know I love people who greatly accomplish things but they do it in this humbleness of humility of like you know it's not they they, they're not trying to just do it for accolades there's a deeper purpose for it. i love that drive yeah you know yeah man have you ever have you ever read the book endurance 
um, about mm-hmm. uh, Ernest Shackleton and his journey in Antarctica. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh man, dude, you need to read it, especially if you're into, you know, that he was a very humble guy, but like suffering. So the gist of it essentially is he goes to Antarctica on this boat, and he's gonna be the first person to cross it. Like mm-hmm. someone already went to the South Pole, but he's gonna go all the way across it. And they get down there and they get socked in and the ice just surrounds their boat and traps them in Antarctica in like the 1912 or something. Um, And for two years, they have to survive. Eventually, their boat just gets completely crushed and sinks. And then they have to like take these tiny boats. Dude, it's it's a crazy human suffering endurance fest. But the guy's fascinating. Um. I don't think it spoils anything, but every single one of his crew survives the whole in, in uh, the whole crazy event. So, yeah, man, that's a great one. But that's cool. Legacy, sorry, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, isn't Legacy the book that the Iowa Hawkeyes are reading this year, or do you follow that at all? I, I did, I didn't, but I asked the lady because it has a really cool catch. Like the image is really cool. And I asked the lady, I was like, why is this out in the stands? And she said, because uh, Kurt Ferentz has uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes read it for, you know, he picks a book a year. So then I grabbed it. Yeah, that's great, man. I read the one last year, which was The Slight Edge, which um, was another great book. Just about doing the little things right every single day and how that compounds upon itself to, um, to you know, lead you towards your goals, essentially. You know what? If I if I had one thing that would be the truest of true, it's the small consistent things. There's a quote that I that I just heard this week that I love, and it says, "You can't chop a tree down by striking it a thousand times, but you can chop a tree down by striking it a thousand times in the same spot." There you go. That's awesome, man. So, you know, because I definitely have had times where I've obsessed over like I gotta make these drastic big changes, and for you know a lot more business related, but some personal. And it doesn't have uh, sustain. It doesn't sustain. It doesn't have that that durability as just being really patient, consistent, and enduring. You know, getting that long game going is so huge. But and no one, no one is there. No one's there during the 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 grind. The days where you just are kind yeah. of pushing through it. You're doing the right thing, but there's no rewards and there's. Okay. No apparent end in sight necessarily, but you know you're on the right path, and that's that's huge. So, tell me, like, how about that? Like, tell me if you've had a have you had a moment where you're working at something, and it just wasn't like you're 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 doing the right things, quote yeah. unquote, but you were not getting the results, and you had kind of like a tantrum moment. Dude, I taught eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I had my first year in dip. So real quick, I went from Ankeny, which is like super progressive, wonderful school district. I didn't have to do any classroom management. I would just, if a kid wasn't doing something I asked him to, I'd just ask him a second time. And he'd be like, okay. And that was the classroom management. I went from there to Danville, Virginia, which um, essentially uh, is the exact opposite, right? So I had like, all it was all classroom management and my first year was a struggle and i just kept telling myself like um failure is the first step towards enlightenment because every day i would go in with a solid plan and 
within like one second, it would just evaporate <laughs> and, right. and doing it and failing and learning from those failures made it. So the second year was easier. And then my third year there, I mean, I felt like I had everything completely under control and everything I had it not figured out. Cause you'll never figure out 14 year olds. You'll, right. you'll, you'll know that once your kids turn 14, but, uh, <laughs> but I had it figured out, you know, as best as, you possibly could. So did you feel like Michelle Pfeiffer and dangerous minds? I've never seen that movie. What's that movie? Dude, if you haven't seen that movie, it's literally your life story. Probably. Okay. I have dude. I do. I point? always feel like Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, dude, I, I could, I have so many stories from teaching. I had, I mean, I don't want to paint it as like a bad place necessarily, but like, school wasn't the main priority for some of my students, you know? And for the most part, most of my kids, I'd say like 90% of them were just like regular middle school students, you know, going through the regular struggles and trials and tribulations of middle school. But then the 10% that were, were what you'd call like bad students, sure. they were really struggling. And I did bad students in quotations for people who couldn't see that. But yeah. they were they were like really struggling or hard to deal with and it was it was eye-opening for sure but it made me a more well-rounded teacher and so those frustrating moments have led to something good and positive because now I feel like I could teach at any school anywhere and I'd be fine so that's awesome yeah man that's I didn't, cool. I didn't mean to start talking about teaching I could talk about that no I, I think it's fascinating because I mean honestly that's uh I mean, listen, like we talked about me just doing an event, like a stupid event that you're just running around, like trying to prove, you know, trying to enthuse parts of your life and, and figure things out about yourself. What better way to do that than like figure things out about yourself. Yet also there's a bigger risk and the risk is kind of like, are you going to get through these students? And if you don't, I mean, there's some people like, if a teacher didn't get through to them, who knows where they'd be? Yeah. You know? And they had that, like, I mean, how many stories we hear about somebody really successful and they go back and they point at this teacher who, like, had real impact. Like, that's pretty cool. And it's always kind of shocking which students come back and are really grateful for you because you're like, man, you caused so much problems in my classroom. But, you know, they're the ones that might be the most grateful for be, yeah. because of how you tr treated them. Um, and doing crazy endurance events and all that stuff teaches you so much so many lessons beyond just how to run a stupid endurance event it's it's about how you're gonna you know carry yourself in in life in other situations so that's why i love doing it <laughs> you know what's funny about the suffering thing is like when i'm when i'm not in the state of like you know, trying to trying to the pressurize the coals to turn. You know, if I, if I'm not in the state of like I don't want to say suffering, but if I'm not feeling that discomfort, it takes me longer to find happiness. Like if I go like three four days, like maybe go tailgating, go you know mess around with the guys a little bit, hang yeah. around. Like yeah, it's cool for a day, but then if you kind of make it a lifestyle, it really gives you a little depression. It does. I mean, like I get I get really kind of blue, but if I push myself like. I might be more physically and mentally uncomfortable if I, you know, eat way healthier. Like right now I'm doing the whole 30 thing with my wife. Yeah. Yes, it's an inconvenience. It's not super comfortable, but I'm very happy because you, 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 you're like while you're achieving, 
I feel like that's where a lot of happiness, at least for me, comes. Is like when I feel like I'm achieving, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm totally the same exact way. Um, which which is part of the reason why I started the podcast is because I knew staying like staying home with Harper and Zoe, my two kids. I mean, it's a huge blessing. Like, not every dad's able to do that. Yep. But I also knew my personality, and if I didn't, I guess if I if I wasn't doing something else on the side or working on some other projects, yep. it would it would kind of drive me a little bit crazy. And the thing with raising kids, I was talking to Lindsay about this earlier, is you're doing these things day after day after day, but all the re- rewards are like the you know, the way you're, you're doing all these things that are important for your kids' development, but that development's mm-hmm. so far in the future that it's hard to realize the importance of what you're doing un- unless you take yeah. a step back. So, so yeah, man, I, I'm totally that way. I, that's why I always sign up for these dumb events in the future, which I told myself I would never do another 50 miler, but that's my next I'm- one. Time for, 100. Time for 100, brother. Dude, I don't, yeah. I don't know about that. We'll see how it go- we'll see how this one goes. I know how bad I felt after my first fifty miler, and I'm like, how do people do a hundred? And everyone's just like, oh, if you did fifty, you could easily do a hundred. I'm like, easily. <laughs> what was your what? What's like? Give me like a just so I can kind of gauge. What would be an average mile time for an average person in, on a fifty miler? Um, I think if you shoot for ten minutes, you're doing actually pretty good. Maybe. I, it just depends, though, man. Like the one I did was super hilly. Um, I walked probably a third of it, I would say. Um, and if you're walking, you're trying to shoot for like 15 minute mile pace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just depends on terrain. Um, the one I did was really like a 56 mile or two because the guy, their legendary Horton miles is what you call them, and really a mile is longer than a mile, so it adds up. But uh. But yeah, man, it just, it really just depends. I did the, honestly, the hardest ultra marathon I did so far was the flattest one because it was running the whole entire time and there was no excuse to stop. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you were doing one with a bunch of hills, you, you have that excuse to stop and it's, it, it slows you down. It slows you down, but it's a yeah. different movement too. So like walking, you know, is working a little bit differently than running. So you can rest those muscles a little bit. So. So you just, yeah, it's hard, you just can't recover hardly because you're just pounding the pavement. No, I know. That one was tough. That one was tough. But we, I had a friend who did a – it's in a, near Iowa City. It was a 50K. So what's that, like 31 miles? 31, yeah. And he didn't make it through. So he – mind you, at this point, I've ran like – at most, I've done like the damn to damn, which is like, what, a half marathon? Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, let's go do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Dude, Damn. you need friends like that. You need friends oh, man. that are. I was like, so we, it's two laps. It's, it's a two 15-mile laps, right, or whatever. And uh, he gets through, and we get to, like, the second part. And he's like, man, my knee's bothering me. Like, I don't know. I was like, fuck. Sorry. I was like, he's like, I was like, you're going through. If I have to drag you, you're going through. <laughs> And man, that was a shit show because we got lost. <laughs> it was hot, hot. Yeah. Re- like the worst part where I was like, kind of like in that, you're at that point where you're like, things go wrong, you're kind of panicking, but then it's like, there's nothing you can do. So you find calmness again. Yeah. We ran out of water <laughs> and couldn't find any civilization. And I was like, Ooh, we're in trouble. 
and we're out, out, and I'm like, dang, we messed up. I'm just imagine like I'm I'm just it's, I mean it, it what I mean it turned out to be fine but man in the moment it's like whew. I love that that quote from uh oh Yvonne Chouinard yeah he was like you know it's not an adventure until something goes wrong <laughs> or something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah man but those are the best times because you look back on yeah. them and it's just it's you look back and you can laugh at yourself or you know after you survived obviously right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I should probably let you go, man. It's uh I hear the magic school bus is ending in my living room, so You better get rolling. I man. better, dude. I have so much more I want to talk to you about, honestly. Yeah, hit me up anytime. Okay. Um if you ever come out to Denver, you know, you always got a place to stay with us. So Hey, I am coming out in uh, I think April. Nuh uh. Yeah, or March or April. I got take I'm taking this uh this uh and uh Andreo Spina course. Okay. You want to talk? We can go further into it. Really, you want to talk about like hip articulation and, and what movements and mobility? This is this is gonna be it. All right, so, man. Well, maybe. Yeah. Hey, dude, when you take it, come on over and we'll uh, we'll we'll do another podcast, or you can stay on our sure. couch. Our couch is super yeah. comfy, so yeah, man, I'd love to. All right, man. It was good talking to you. All right, man. Until then, I said hi too. Yeah, I will. So there you have it. Um, if you want to hear more from Ryan, you can always go to his website, www.mysuperhumanlab.com. Visit his company in Urbandale if you live in Des Moines. You can follow him on Facebook, Instagram. at superhuman lab uh, he puts excellent videos up um, about different mobilities different recoveries sports massage um, all of those general ideas uh, it's high quality and excellent if you want to support my podcast here you can always go on facebook i have like a bigfoot um, is a group on facebook that i'm starting to post more on uh, and I'm making a priority to post even more on that. Um, feel free to visit the website. It's new.likeabigfoot.com or just simply listen to the podcast every week. If you have questions, uh, shoot me a message um, on one of those sites and I would love to get back to you. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying these because I am having the time of my life recording them. So uh, tune in next week and we'll have another guest and uh, we'll keep this thing rolling. Peace.